Hello and welcome to Coasters in Culture, Major Thoughts on Minor Matters. This is The Beast in Central Kentucky. On the line with me is Rex in Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the podcast for RexandTheBeast.com. Thanks for joining the journey with us tonight. Rex, are you there in Denver, Colorado? I am. I am ready to uh, fire up another awesome podcast here. We have a little bit of weather coming our way this weekend. We're supposed to get another uh, seven or eight inches of snow here. So winter is still well on the horizon for Rex in Colorado. Gonna fire it up like a rocket ship. Well, I'll tell you, the weather here has been all rain. It's just rain, rain, rain everywhere. Everywhere is flooded. You step out in your backyard, it's like quicksand. Uh, not good. So we're hoping for some sunshine here in Kentucky, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I've seen some of that. It's been pretty impressive. Uh, some of the dams and the rivers, uh, uh, pretty pretty awful, actually. So. Yeah, yeah. Awfully impressive or impressively awful, I guess. Either is way. What it is. Either Works. way you want to go. we got a lot to talk about tonight, so enough of the uh, nothings. Let's get started with some quick hits. Whatever he hits, he destroys. You know, you never know what a day's going to bring in the theme park world, and today brought all kinds of stuff. You and I were tweeting about the podcast recording tonight, and we were saying, you know, everybody's talking about Galaxy's Edge. We got that covered, so you and I are going to not talk about Galaxy's Edge tonight. We're going to go into other directions. And, of course, as soon as we say that, here comes all this incredible stuff about Galaxy's Edge. So I guess we need to talk a little bit about some of the photos that were released today concerning Rise of the Resistance and some of the food and the drinks and other things that have been revealed. Obviously, I think we're both going to say it looks awesome. So we can just kind of maybe get the general comments out of the way. What specifically about these photos and about Galaxy's Edge now makes you even more excited than you were before? Well, we knew it was going to be a, a spectacular land and spectacular attractions in the whole area. I mean, uh, obviously that that is the case. But right. when you start to see it come together and the, the concrete examples of the, the theming and the buildings and the interiors and the attractions, it, it just pops to an entirely new level. And some of the pictures and descriptions of the Rise of the Resistance ride I mean, to me, just blew me away. I mean, we've, we've heard about what an amazing attraction that's going to be and some of these great uh, pieces of both set pieces and the attraction itself. But to see some of the people that were there and that um, got to experience a partial uh, walkthrough of it and then saw some of the other uh, items that were actually at uh, the locations where they were creating these, just amazing. It really was. I, I Just a couple of days ago, we were talking and I said, you know, this, I, I even tweeted this, I think, to our friend Barry. I said, I, I did, we're just not as interested or pumped about worrying about getting to this one early after it opens because it's going to be a total nightmare of people. It's not going to really be doable. And honestly, we just don't have the same level of crazed interest in being there like we sort of did back during the Hogsmeade and some of the other openings uh, of attractions. I feel like I've gone 180 degrees on that one since we talked about it just a couple of days ago is right now I saw someone post uh, the issue get out that I, I retweeted that they may be looking at doing some kind of paying for fast passes and or club level hotel rooms getting special fast passes for the attractions. And I just thought, well, 
I think the beast and I are there, you know, I mean, it, uh, it just looks too amazing to pass up if there's any way to do it. Yeah. I mean, we've both been talking about the opening day idea of just being insane because of all the people. I am a bigger Star Wars fan than you are. So I probably have had uh, a greater sense of anticipation perhaps than you about all this. But what's really cool is that upon seeing some of these photos, yeah, I mean, your your expectations and your excitement has skyrocketed right along with mine. So it's going to be interesting to see. Certainly they could make a, a nice buck. Uh, if they went that route, because enough people like me and you would probably jump on it in a heartbeat if we thought now this perhaps is doable. Whereas before, even with these great photos, I still just think opening day, there's just no way to do it or even soon thereafter. I mean, there's the lines at, at Flight of Passage are still three hours long, man. I mean, what's this going to well, be like? I, yeah, I can say this for a fact is unless there is something, and I know people where, you know, we can have a whole 57 podcasts on the ins and outs of this, but unless there is something, whether it is a special after hours event, whether it is special pay for a fast pass, whether it is stay at a suite at the Grand Floridian and get a free pass, whatever it is, unless there's something that will allow you to bypass the crowds and the regular, regular lines and regular fast pass issues, which are going to be impossible, there's no way we're going to be there for a while. I mean, sure, maybe we'll stroll by and just see the land from the outside or something like that. But I'm not, I don't care how amazing it looks. I will not be waiting five hours to do something. Um, you know, we, we exhausted our limit, I think, on Flight of Passage when we did that. Um, and that's, you know, that's just the way it is. But we will keep our eyes peeled as to what the options are here. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Some of our uh, some of our more uh, some of our more on the ground in touch media friends uh, need to give us a call because you know if Rex and the Beast uh, can join you we will uh, you know we'll we'll make it worth your while yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll hop onto that well I tell you what the 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 only once in a decade once every ten years do you and I wait three hours in a line we already did that for Flight of Passage so that's over with for the next nine years so yeah we're going to figure out something but about the photos themselves you know when I first saw some of these I thought some of these were concept art because they're, they're that pristine. They look that good. And, you know, some of them were matched up right next to concept art. So you sure. look, you look at both of them and you're like, good grief, man. I mean, it's, it's, it looks almost identical. It's incredible. But going through these corridors of the Millennium Falcon, it, it just, it's going to be, there's going to be, you know, man, we've seen people walk into Hogsmeade at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and start crying. Right. Because they're so overwhelmed. You know, this is going to be just like that. I mean, there's going to be people like breaking down probably because of the level of detail and immersion that that are in these photos and going to be in the queues and in the attractions themselves. It's just truly the the Star Destroyer, um, you know, photo from the First Order and everything. It's just it's truly unbelievable. Um, what, What I think is going to be really special is the idea of this this world, this galaxy, this, this, um, what do they call them? Not planets, but, um, what do they call them in star system? Right. I wrote an article a few years ago when this was all announced and they weren't going to be doing any of the established known systems in star Wars. And I thought, well, this is going to be terrible because the whole point of being excited about it is that you can see things that you know from the films, right? So you walk into Hogsmeade and you see Hogsmeade and you see the castle, there's things that, you know, I thought this was going to go downhill in a big way. 
but it looks like they're actually going to pull it off because they're doing it in such an incredible way. Obviously, the Millennium Falcons from the film, but even the, um, the, the outposts and the cantinas and all the things which are completely made up just for Galaxy's Edge, they've done it so well that I think everybody is still going to be completely pumped up about it. Yeah, I completely agree because you do still get the the feel of it, the corridors, the walkways, everything. I saw the uh, – unfortunately, I'm spacing on her name, but I saw – I think it's the vice president of, uh, of something for um, um, either Lucasfilm or uh, I don't know, one of the many companies um, that uh, made the point that if you – see something or walk into something and you don't immediately recognize it as you are immersed in star Wars, then it should not be there. And that's a bold statement to make, but from what we're seeing, I think they have taken that to heart. They, you know, when you're walking down some of the corridors they showed in, in these pictures, I mean, there's no doubt you're walking down a corridor in a star Wars um, environment. Now, whether it's inside, you know, a ship or whether it is inside a, a building and a, you know, a star system or whatever, that maybe isn't a hundred percent clear, but you know where you are. And that is, you are in a star Wars immersive environment. And that is tremendously impressive. Yeah. So. And I think we just always need to be reminded whenever we do these kinds of podcasts that, you know, the whole, the whole thing, started with a mouse in terms of Walt Disney World, right? But Galaxy's Edge is here because of Harry Potter, right? I just just think we we have to keep coming back to this. I think just because we don't want to rewrite history. If it's not for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, none of this is happening. And so, again, whatever the creative team was behind that, we will forever, for the rest of our lives – the entire theme park world will ever have to be indebted to those people because everything has changed because of that. You know? No, it's absolutely true. I mean, there certainly may have been something Star Wars related that came about, but not this. They weren't going to spend a billion plus dollars on building a Star Wars land until they realized we're getting our tails kicked across the way. We better we better step it up and show what we're all about here, guys. And um, And it looks like that's what they're doing. So... Yeah, man. And it, it all comes back to wrestling, right? Because on the Monday Night Wars, you got WWE, you got WCW. They made each other better. Without WCW now uh, keeping them in check and balance, you know, WWE, like, eh, nobody really cares. You know, we need we need a competitor for WWE in order to continue to press them to do better and go bolder and bigger and all that kind of stuff. All right, enough of that comparison. Let's move on to the next quick hit. Um, hey, man. Our friend Josh Wallach is back in the news. Uh, the Sky Coaster, Skyplex, Polar Coaster at in Orlando down on iDrive. You and I have been talking about this for a long time. We have been a little skeptical is probably the right word that this was ever going to get off the ground. But then, bam, back in the news, Screamscape.com reports that instead of the $500 million project, it's been backed up to the $250 million. They're not going to do quite as much as they thought, leaving room for potential uh, expansion in the future, but they're still going to get the 500 and whatever foot polar coaster up and running. Rex, it's coming in 2020. Your thoughts. Well, as as we have joked about and made 100% clear from the very first day of this issue is I did not believe and, and 
do not believe that this comes about in the manner in which they uh, were saying it would come about. Um, now, if they keep backing it up, keep backing it up, and ultimately get to something a little more reasonable, who knows? Maybe something, you know, maybe something ultimately becomes possible. I don't think this is still it. Um, I'm still not a believer. I, I still believe this will be modified substantially before we get to the point of a possible realistic opening of a polar coaster um, in Orlando. So I, I am impressed at some level that they're still pushing it and still showing uh, a seriousness around possibly doing it. But I still am a complete 100% skeptic on this one and stand by our my tweet uh, from years ago that this is never happening. So um, yeah. the, the only – I mean, we still root for them, right? I mean, it's not like we're anti these guys. I, I yeah. would love to see this built. And, and the thing that I really, um, really think the, the, the biggest possible support in favor of it I would I would argue is the idea that to the best of my knowledge uh, and I think our knowledge generally is the um, the nightclub that they that they built is going to be has been very successful and has been has were you know has been a very positive successful uh, build and so if that gives them extra support to potentially pull this off. Ah, you know, that would be awesome. That would be super cool. I still don't see it. But I will say the idea of scaling it back, that is a start in the right direction. Yeah, it sure. is. Absolutely. Absolutely right. So we'll continue to keep our eye on that, see what happens. Next in the quick hit world, uh, speaking of Hogsmeade and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, today it's been released that a new show uh, is coming to the Wizarding World. And there on the castle, we're going to see a dark arts show that's going to be, of course, the um, projections onto the castle and the way that they have been able to advance the technology on that is truly stunning. Truthfully, I didn't read a whole lot about it. Um, shows are not necessarily our number one thing, but, you know, considering there's the dark arts side and it's going to take that twist, it looks like it's going to have a creep factor to it. Maybe something to check out could be pretty cool. Uh, Beast, I've got to say, I, I lost you for a minute or two. Um, I, I, so I, I'm looking at uh, our recording software right now. It looks like we stayed in business, but I lost you on my end. So I did not catch the question. So if you can give me the quick rundown again, I'd be happy to jump back on here. Uh, I didn't really ask a question. I was just talking about the dark arts show that's been released today, revealed today for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And even though we're not really show people, um, it looks like something that could be worthy to check out just because it seems to have a creep factor to it yeah That's i agree all. and I, apparently the um the the shows that they have put on there which we have not really seen yet with the projections and other things have been very well received and and very well done so i look forward to seeing those hopefully i will get to see those um in a little bit less than a month when i'm there for spring break with the family and i'll be able to give you an update on that uh but yeah that uh that'll be awesome if they actually bring a little bit of the uh you know a little bit of the the Dementor side of things or the you know negative side of things in would be great. We've always said one of our favorite things about the um, uh, the ride there in Hogsmeade with uh, Forbidden Journey is we love the fact that it has a, a little bit of a kick to it, a little bit of a scare to it. You know, the Dementors, the spiders, the dark um, makes 
part of what makes that a great ride. And so I'd love to see them bring a little more intensity um, to to the park wherever they can there. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's what we've got for you today on the coaster side of thing. A lot of stuff going on in the theme park world. It looks really, really cool. We've got a lot more to talk about, but it's going to have to wait till next week because we're sliding into Cougar Spot here on the culture side of things. And today, Rex, on the culture side of thing, we're going to have major thoughts on one minor matter. Let's remind the people what we mean. On the minor matter, we mean we're going to take something culture-related, potentially something big, and we're going to really note focus, uh, narrow the focus on something relatively small from that big thing. So here's what we're doing today. Today we're going to talk about the 1986 film Hoosiers, probably mine and yours favorite sports film uh, with Gene Hackman concerning the high school basketball team in Indiana. And we're going to kind of hone in on one element of that movie. We can talk about Hoosiers a lot. We'll probably talk about it a lot more with many different things concerning the film. And maybe we'll take a whole podcast one day and just talk about the movie in general. But today, we're going to talk about one particular scene and then an, an element, an aspect uh, from that scene that kind of grows into the movie and is uh, highly misunderstood and, and misinterpreted, I think. So the scene is Coach Norma Dale comes uh, to... Hickory, and he's just getting acclimated to everything, and he walks into practice that is taking place with the current interim coach. And one of my favorite lines, I mean, I say this to you all the time, is the boys are just practicing, and it doesn't seem like there's any real you know, order or structure to the practice. And as they're shooting and everything, the coach just keeps saying, shoot from outside. You can't score if you don't shoot. Take the shot. Um, and we'll talk about that statement. You can't score if you don't shoot, because there's a couple things I want to say about that. But here's Norman Dell um, listening to this guy, and you can already get a sense of maybe that's not going to be the philosophy uh, that Coach Dell is going to uh, implement with this team. Sure enough, the first thing you really hear him say once they get down to strategy when he's with the team, and now he's the coach, is we're going to pass four times before we shoot. All right, this is, le- this is legendary with the movie. How many times are you going to pass? Four. You're going to pass four times. And of course, then you get to the first game. It's like the most awkward thing ever. They didn't know what they're doing and they're getting their butts kicked. What you and I want to talk about today in the coach, uh, culture segment is the idea of you can't score if you don't shoot related to Coach Normandale's decision to make the team pass four times before they shoot. And let, let the platform you know, run, run with it from this starting point, which is we see all the time people criticizing this move, essentially saying Coach Normandell obviously doesn't really know what he's doing, or even the filmmaker screwed this up. This is a horrible coaching decision. No coach in their right mind would force players to pass four times before they shoot. You're going to get destroyed like that. And of course, you and I are just sitting back with smirks on our faces, and we're saying these people have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, and there's another point to it as well. It's not even just the the four times before they shoot. What you see a lot of people say is once Jimmy Chitwood comes back on the team toward the end of the movie and they make it to the playoffs and they're going on through that is you, I've seen I don't know how many times I have seen people write or I've heard people talk about on podcasts and things. Um, well, I guess the old uh, pass the ball four times before you shoot's gone out the window right, because right, in, right. Those, in those later games, they're not passing four times before they shoot. Now right. they're shooting when they're open with the, of course, inference being, yeah, okay, well, he's got a good player. So he just threw out his whole game plan. Now he's doing something else, right. which again, 
misses the entire point. Right. So let's clarify for people what the entire point is. But first, before we get to the four times before you shoot thing, let's talk about the phrase, you can't score if you don't shoot, because this is really interesting to me. It's really fascinating to me. The movie so clearly sets that up uh, even before you, the first time you ever watch the film, you have no idea what Coach Normandale is going to do. When he walks in and he sees the interim coach coaching the boys and saying these things, shoot from outside, you can't score if you don't shoot. It's already obvious that you know that's not going to be the philosophy of Normandale. You don't know how you know that, but you just do because they're making such a strong emphasis. You can't score if you don't shoot. Clearly, then that's not going to be what Dell's going to go with. However, what's interesting about that is. At the end of the day, the coach is not wrong. It is a true statement, is it not? You actually cannot score if you don't shoot. (laughs) So what I find to be interesting is it's a a true statement, um, but it's the way that the statement is being given and applied that makes it a problematic statement. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this is where you know Hoosiers on basketball. I'm not saying every single thing Hoosier says or does about basketball is right or is brilliant or this and that, but Hoosiers does assume that the people watching have a fairly good understanding about basketball, especially high school uh, slash college basketball. And one of the issues at that level of basketball is that the best coaches that there are focus on and care about defense. Defense is what is going to ultimately win the game. The offense will come. The offense and the scoring will happen. But if you don't play defense, you will not win. Mm -hmm. And we are carrying that inside us. And so as soon as we see a coach, now it's one thing if a player's yelling it funny or whatever, but as soon as we see a coach with a clear scattershot of players, there's no real, any kind of organization going on. You can tell that as soon as you see a coach yelling at them, shoot the ball, shoot from outside. You can't score if you don't shoot. It goes against everything that we have had embedded in us from great coaches, from great uh, ESPN, watching basketball our whole lives. And Norman Dale, as he walks in, he walks in and again, you got to give Gene Hackman an amazing amount of credit. He doesn't do anything at all blatant. He doesn't do anything to give you, as you mentioned, the impression that, oh yeah, look at these hayseeds. They don't know anything. Right. But as he walks on the court, you know he is thinking exactly what we're thinking. This is not the way you build a team. Right. And and so that's how I think they, dra- they drag us in. They trust you to know that already, uh, uh, that much of it anyway. That's what I think about that. Yeah, yeah. But, and later in the film, even though – the, the way that people say at the end, well, the four, you know, passing four times went out the window, they're saying it again in, with the wrong application. It is true that that no the longer course. exists, but right, there's a right. reason which, why it no longer right, exists. Which is, which is the heart of this point. What, what we need the heart of this stuff. point, right, which we're getting ready to get into. But the again, though, the idea that it, it does require, whether it's the inside game, whether it's the outside game, of course, offense requires 
putting the ball up to score. No one's going to argue with that. But I love how they take a truthful statement, place it at the beginning there with all of the context that you just mentioned, and it sets up what has to come just so beautifully and so perfectly in every possible way this movie is written to perfection. You know, it, it, there is just not a place where it, there's not some kind of subtext happening, where it's not some foreshadowing that's going on or some fulfillment of what has happened previously in the movie. It is absolutely brilliant. So now coming out of that, we get to the four times before you shoot. Now talking about intelligent viewing here, Rex, do we ever receive in the film explicitly the reason why Coach Dell wants them to pass four times? And I think the answer is no. We, we're not explicitly told. Explicitly, no. The closest that I believe we come and he comes to explicitly making the point is when he tells the team – I already know you can shoot. Yeah. We are going to work on something else. And then they move on and they go ahead. But he doesn't go on and explain the underlying issues and reasons for everything. Yeah, yeah. he says there's more to the game than shooting. Right? Yes. And it, yeah. And so that's the closest I believe we get to a direct coach explaining to the audience and or his team what is going on. Because – as we will get to here, the whole purpose of it, it has to come without that type of direct uh, analysis or, or the direct information. The point of what is happening and what Norman Dale, who I, if anyone hasn't seen Hoosiers, even if you have, you know, is a, a super high-level coach, won a college uh, national championship, and due to various circumstances had to leave college basketball – uh, with a, a bad incident that happened, and he's getting a chance to come back to basketball and sort of a redemption uh, by a friend of his who is the principal or the uh, superintendent or whatever of, of this school or school district. And to do that, you have to remember when he steps out and comes in here then, he, as much as the, the people at, in Indiana and in this town think they know basketball, they know basketball the way fans know basketball. He knows basketball the way coaches know basketball that win national championships. And those mm, are yeah. two very different things. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think of myself as an unbelievably well versed, well rounded uh, person that knows basketball pretty well and knows this and that. What I don't know about basketball could fill up volumes for what it takes to be a coach and do all of that. Yeah. And so that's, that's, I think, the difference. And so when he, when he comes out and when he comes in, he looks, he sees these players, he sees them shooting, he sees what's going on, and he understands very, very quickly, if I want to make this team something, I have to make it a team because that is what it is not right now. And that is his first, first and I think greatest understanding of what's going on. Yeah, there's a sense of super, oh, an over sense of individualism uh, approaching basketball. The, the idea is what we all do 
when we go to the court in our backyard or, or, you know, and in the subdivision, whatever, we've got the ball, we're doing the countdown, three, two, one, zero, and we pop the shot. What do we want to do? We want to be the one who made the final shot. It's all about getting the glory for ourselves. You can't score if you don't shoot, even in the first game. Once the guy shoots and makes it, the, the one parent is so proud and finally somebody did it. And it's basically just about who can score, who's going to score, who's going to score. There is no sense of this actually being any kind of togetherness or any kind of team effort whatsoever. Now, here's the subtext that for me, and I, I'm, not, I'm not even, I don't think I've really even talked to you about this yet. So I, I want to get your feedback on that. Here's the subtext for me that's, that's playing into all of this. And that is that in a, a very real sense, the whole theme of the movie Hoosiers is trust. Because does the town trust Coach Dell to win basketball games? Do the players trust Coach Dell? Can Coach Dell trust them? What about Barbara Hershey in this relationship? There's some serious trust issues going here because of previous bad relationships. What about the fact that Coach Dell has formerly hit another player? There's trust there. There's the whole town hall meeting. Are we going to fire the coach based on X, Y, and Z? There's trust there. It's all about trust. So the whole pass four times before you shoot is basically Coach Dell saying, we've got a trust problem here. Do we really believe in each other to win games, or are we just believing in ourselves to shoot and to score? What do you think? No, I think that's I think that is 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 absolutely the case with respect to the team and with respect to the movie as a whole. Um, I think it's trust, and then I would say redemption. Trust and redemption are the two the two main issues um, in this movie. Um, and the the past four times, if we haven't made it clear enough here, the past four times we both believe is related to causing these players to come together as a team and to work together. He doesn't really care the first few games or whatever, what is happening with respect to how they're scoring or how they're shooting or even truthfully, if they're winning, what he wants to see is that they start to believe and trust in each other and passing the ball to each other and in him that he knows what's best for this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, And so he is developing all of those levels of trust and that is what he cares about. He doesn't care that those four passes get, you know, get to like, for example, obviously the third pass could be the one that gets you to the best open shot, but that, that he's not worried about that right now. Right now he is worried about developing these other issues because he knows he can get them to score once he has them as a team. And that's where we are. And that's why nobody gets it. Everybody is freaking out with one exception. And th- this goes to the redemption piece as well, which is Shooter, the, the sort of local drunk who is um, uh, also the, the dad of one of the players and uh, a, a basketball fanatic who was a great player and basically has never been able to live down that as his glory days and as what he focused on and is the only person that we really see that has a basketball knowledge anywhere close to uh, Coach Dales. And he makes that very clear a couple of times. Um, One of my absolute 
favorite scenes in the whole movie is in the first game. I think it's the first game in the first or second game where coach Dale's doing this. The crowd is booing. Everybody's upset. Everybody's mad. The team is stinking. Everything is going wrong. And you get a cut to a shooter over on the side of the, the, the benches. Oh, and, he just he looks over and he just has a grin on his face yeah. because he's the only one that sees what's going on and it's just great it really is it's an awesome moment when you realize there is who's going to understand him and be on his side yeah even the people who love him and support him like the principal who brings him in and gives him the chance at redemption in the first place talking about brings in coach dell after the first game if you will remember or actually it's during the game because uh, he's the assistant coach. Yes. He pulls Gene Hackman over the side and says, uh, I, I'm really trying hard to believe that you know what you're doing. To which Gene Hackman says, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but Shooter would never say that to, right. to Coach Dale because he sees right from the beginning, he knows what he's doing. This is going to be an interesting ride that we're on. Will the people give him the chance right, to, to, to prove that he does, in fact, know what he's doing, which by the way, plays into a fascinating, I don't want to get into this, but plays into a fascinating discussion on current college basketball and sports in general, which is if you're a coach, you've got one year basically. And if you screw it up, you're out, right? I I, I love that quote by Mike Krzyzewski, who said, based on the, 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 the way that coaches are handled today, he would have been absolutely massacred at Duke back in the day because it took him like, what, five or six years yeah. to actually have a winning season or something like that. So it, there's some play of that into this as well. But you said earlier that one of the things was about the the believer, the coach, the players believing in him, believing in Coach Dell. Back to the trust thing. So we got to make this connection, right, man? The first game, who's the kid that starts ignoring the past four times and you just start shooting? That's the player that, first of all, the parents are like, yes, finally, Coach Dell benches him. Once one of the players fouls out, he doesn't put him back in. There's only four players on the court. That's all the people he's got. That's when everybody's freaking out. And that's the scene where Shooter yeah. goes, oh, here we go. The next game, so it's the kid he benched, right? The next game, Coach Dell gets into it with the opposing team's coach. And basically what ends up happening is another player gets involved. Well, it's the kid who was benched in the first game who comes over and just puts one of the greatest punches in cinematic history on this other player defending Coach Dell. At that moment, Coach Dell is probably thinking, we can stop with the four passes thing <laughs> because I've got the team now. That's another important scene uh, related to all this. It absolutely is. And, and again, another great acting moment for Gene Hackman because he has to play that understated the idea of I actually feel pretty good about this versus the fact that the kid just jacked the dude right in the jaw <laughs> right. And, now, and he just does it perfectly. He's like, yeah, come on, let's get out of here, you know, whatever and all this. But you, you absolutely know that he feels pretty good about it. You know, you right, know, right. It. And as they're walking off, the kid's like, I got him good. Didn't I coach? You know, so if he's really <laughs> yeah, mad, yeah, what's the hell going to say is you and I are going to talk. You're off the team, yeah. whatever. He's like, yeah, you sure did. Yeah, you got it does. And that is the turning point in the team and where it starts to go, which of course does go then to, you know, we'll take the uh, one quick leap here as we deal with the others to the idea that um, 
the four the four passes before you shoot then does start to fade away and go become irrelevant because now he focuses on things that do matter, which is running plays, scoring points, working the deal, because now he has his team. So, of course, the four passes before you shoot goes out the window, even before um, uh, Jimmy gets on the team, yes, certainly right. afterwards, um, because that that lesson has been learned. And And to your point about trust, Jimmy also plays into that because when he goes and sees Jimmy, Jimmy's entire life has been about not trusting anyone, but the one coach that he trusted that, that because then he lost him, he trusts nobody except perhaps um, uh, Myra. And, the coach sizes that up and he, I mean, his, uh, he's everything he does is about trust. And he walks down there and gives him the speech about where he's been, what he's done and all of this. And then at the end, because I know that I can say this, I don't care whether you play or not. Yeah. And throws him the ball and walks away and he's making the point to him. You know, I want you to play, right? He knows he wants him on the team. But he also makes the point, I don't want you on the team enough that I'm going to tell you something that's not true or that I'm going to sit here and beg you to come play on this team. This is your decision. I'm going to support it. And that's where we are, which is what develops the beginning of the trust, which is why Jimmy shows up at the meeting and says, it's time for me to play ball again, but only if Coach Dale is the coach. So, yeah. yeah. It, and just to show again the power and the beauty of this film, while Coach Dell is having that conversation with Jimmy, Jimmy is shooting basketball and he's making every shot. And so Coach Dell just gets the rebound and passes it right back. Here comes another bottom of the net, like 15 in a row. He just nails. And then once he says, I don't care if you play or not, and throws in the ball, he just walks off. The next shot, Jimmy misses. Just absolute brilliance absolutely yeah, it, it is brilliant and that is a hundred uh, it was absolutely uh, totally was not a planned thing either by the way it was completely fortuitous and they said the the director and the whatever just lost their mind when it happened because they realized how perfect it was um but they they didn't have enough they weren't so great that they figured it out in advance, but afterwards they were so thrilled that it happened. They realized it, to keep it in. Maybe he was supposed to hit it. It wouldn't have been near as good if he was no, supposed well, to. Well, I, I don't know that it was, there was a hit it or don't hit it, but the point is it clearly it's, it's been talked about many times by the directors and whatever, that there was no direction that you're supposed to miss this last shot, uh, but that it just worked out that he did not miss any until that shot and afterwards they realized oh my goodness that is just spectacular you know so Mm, incredible well so you know i hope rex that we we're beginning to set the record straight and um keep you know coach norman dale's legacy intact as the greatest basketball coach in the history of the world um but this movie you know it appeals to me in so many different levels and in so many different ways it's it's you know, I can hear the the theme song to the movie and really just begin crying instantly. Um, uh, it's so so special, and um, it's nice that you and I are are able to, you know, agree on some of the fundamentals of the film. 
you cannot watch this movie just surface level. It just simply does not work. That's not the way the film was intended to be viewed. And you really do a disservice when you try to approach it that way. So all these subtexts are just essential to understanding the team on the court. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the truth is the only part of the movie that I don't think is just four out of four stars is just his relationship with Myra. I just yeah. feel like that did not get appropriately dealt with. My guess is a decent amount of that got cut on the cutting room floor. I bet there was more there and they just ended up being so much great basketball stuff that they realized, you know, we got to cut this a little bit and cut that out. And it leaves it very shaky for, for some of the conversations they have and some of the potential importance that is there in that it's left very, very weak, I think. Um, But other than that, everything else is great. I love, I love, um, the performances by um, Gene Hackman and by um, by Shooter, who I'm blanking on. Who who plays Shooter? What's his name? Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Yeah, who won the Oscar for this, right? Oh, I don't know about that. Really? Did he? That would be amazing if he did. I, I, well, we got to check that. I'm, I'm I'm I am almost positive he won the Oscar for this. He um, won a nomination. You're right. He won a nomination, but he didn't win it. Oh, he didn't win it, but he was nominated. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, How about that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, cause again, I, I, he, he is in the, you know, the two of the scenes, the, the, again, the scene where he goes to his house, that's, that's the other one. Um, and then of course the scene where he, uh, he becomes the coach. I mean, they're just, they're all excellent, excellent scenes, but my, um, my favorite is probably the scene at the house. I, I, I love the three minutes. I love the three minutes where he, you know, he's like, I know, you know, as, as a, as a good team, you had a great team yeah. you had there, coach. He's like, you know that team? I know everything there is to know about the great game of basketball. Hey, that's a whole nother podcast, isn't it? I mean, it that is. scene is, is unreal. Is. That is, that is the, one of the top scenes. I mean, just top. And so much unsaid. Again, two great actors playing it just perfectly. If those were two mediocre actors, that scene could have been a little, nah, but the two great actors just dealing with it perfectly perfect absolutely perfect hey let us know what you think where we're wrong where we're right what your opinion is of the don't score or you can't score if you don't shoot Uh, we hope we have made some kind of advancement into the discussion of hoosiers basketball with gene hackman that is a major thought on a minor matter rex has been fun as always can't wait till next week where we can do it again Uh, but until then have you got any final words for our listeners out there you know, I am uh, I'm sitting here just in contemplation, thinking about uh, the the Hoosiers. Now that we've talked about it, and it is one of those movies that once you start thinking about it, it, it sort of makes me want to go fire it up right now and uh, watch a few scenes. You know, so if you haven't seen it, my suggestion is go watch the movie. Hopefully, almost everyone listening to this podcast has seen it, but if you haven't, highly recommend it. You need to check it out. Um, it is one of the top two or three sports movies, I think, of all time, and certainly one of the best as far as emotional impact. So, um, you know, that's my final thought is I think I'm going to go to bed tonight thinking about uh, Coach Dale and his team and Shooter and Hoosiers because uh, it's a winner. Absolutely. There you have it. Thanks for listening again. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Go to RexandTheBeast.com for articles and pictures and videos and to check everything out. And of course, we love to hear from you. So shoot us a message or give us a comment. 
and we will be in touch soon. Until then, this is The Beast saying be strong and courageous. RexandTheBeast.com. Join the journey. Mm-hmm.